You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself, man, I really want to help my patients get healthy. And I'm looking for a unique way to separate myself from the rest of dentistry and be unique. Well, today you're going to learn how to do exactly that with Dr. Susan Maples, who's an amazing educator. And today she walks us through the whole process and vision behind the total health dental practice. It is awesome. You have to listen to this. I hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. The cool thing that I get to do, which I absolutely love, I'm a CE junkie. You already know that though, is I get to interview the coolest people in dentistry find out their story, find out who they are, and share some incredible wisdom with you guys, the listeners, so you can create a better practice and better life. And today we're going to be talking about the total health dental practice with Dr. Susan Maples. Susan, thank you so much for being on. How are you? Oh my God. So, so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm really well. Awesome. I've known you for a long time. You've always been an incredible educator, always out there, like on the edge of, you know, challenging. A little fearless, a little disruptive, a little creative. I've, I've been around. Yep. That's okay, though, because very rarely do well-behaved women make history. <laughs> so <laughs> I tell my girls that all the time, like, you, you got to, you know, do the right thing, but like challenge people. So it's all good. But um, well, that was kind of advice my dad gave me. He's like, you're too creative to blueprint another practice. You need to figure out, you know, your way. And, and it has been a really creative palette dentistry. That's awesome. Now, yeah. I want to start here because I have so many questions for you. I want people okay. to know who you are. So I know who you are, but we have a lot of young listeners. So give us a little bio. Who's Dr. Susan Maples? Well, let's see. I'm a total health dentist in Holt, Michigan. I bought a practice at 25 years old, right out of school. I'm in the same practice, 38 years now. I'm just getting the hang of it. Having some fun. I'm also a CE junkie. I like to do train wreck dentistry, you know, advanced restorative dentistry. But I like to lead this area of. Well, I'm, I'm um, most recently immediate past president of the American Academy for Oral and Systemic Health. 
I teach a lot. I do a lot of lecturing. So if you guys are interested in um, setting up seminars or Zoom calls or anything in any of the areas we're going to talk about, certainly I'm available. So I love teaching. I have a teacher's heart. And uh, let's see, I played a couple hours of pickleball and swam in the ocean today, and I love being outdoors. And what else? I am generally a pretty happy person. I can't tell you how grateful I am for my team members who are ride-or-die kind of people who go on these magic carpet rides with me and put all this together. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, so, so cool. That's me. Pickleball and swimming in the ocean is a pretty good start to a day, I think. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> So give us a little background on the why, you know, so when you started 25 years ago, how did the practice start and how did it evolve to where you're at today? Interestingly, uh, my parents didn't really think that I would be a good dentist because I was too creative and they thought they didn't see dentistry that way. So they thought I would outgrow it. And seven years later, I was ready to sell my practice. I just finished an MBA and I was thinking about a PhD in organizational development, trying to really change organizational thought. And then I went to the I went for the first time to the American Academy of Dental Practice Administration meeting, ADPA, mm -hmm. which is now called the Academy for Private Dental Practice. And by the way, I'm the meeting chair for this year. It's going to be a really cool meeting. Right. But in any event, a small academy where I found all kinds of people coloring outside the box. And I thought I could probably really just redesign dentistry for myself and for the health of my patients. Now, the backstory is I grew up a very unhealthy child, um, born of two parents who smoked two packs a day. My mom only smoked one pack a day until she was pregnant with me. She was told by her physician that to reduce her anxiety, she could increase her smoking. And since my brother was three months old when she got pregnant. She was freaked out and increased her smoking. I was born with really bad lungs, struggled to come home from the hospital for three months, and then um, ended up back in the hospital countless times. I had 52 allergies, chronic, um, chronic bronchitis, and had uh, asthmatic bronchitis, and uh, seven hospitalizations for pneumonia under the age of 12. So with the help of a physician in my early adolescent years, an internist that really took a heart for me um, and walked me through how to get off all these medications and how to become healthier and live the life of my dreams. Um, she really, really changed my life. She became a surrogate parent to me uh, through exercise and diet. And I learned what we're capable of, you and I, in this profession. And it's more than we're doing. So as I watched the human declining health trajectory of um, the situation we're in, it's, I mean, the worst health from preventable disease we've ever, ever seen in the history of the human race, ever. Yeah. And to be able to predict and preempt some of that, 75% of what we're spending on healthcare is preventable to begin with, but who's doing the prevention? We call ourselves a preventive visit, right? So doing something real weird inside that space that we call the six-month recall and kind of stop spinning polish on teeth and stop throwing toothbrushes in bags and start really helping people dig into what they want to become in life makes a huge difference in their life. Yeah, this is so cool because obviously you have a passion. I did not know that about your story. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, crazy. yeah. Wow. And so as you went into your professional life, 
you know, you became passionate about this, but also put these two together. You've got this dental practice. Adpo was so cool when it was like, when it was really rocking. Amazing. It right? was amazing. I'd go out there and yeah. get so inspired. And, and they, the people were incredible. Oh. And they're still there. So I'm really trying to revitalize it. I'm on the board now and Deborah Ingehout Nash and a bunch of us are really trying to dig in to really bring young people in because that's what really changed my life is that organization. Just oh. to see what was possible for some dentists that were coloring outside the lines in such a big way. Yeah, it was really cool. And they were unbelievable human beings. I mean, it was yeah. my favorite part. And so yeah. when you combine the passion with that, let's talk about, you know, your passion for this and its competitive advantage. If I'm a dentist listening, why would I even consider total health dentistry? Well, as a competitive advantage, it's huge because if you are attracting patients who value health, they're much more likely to spend their money on their values, right. which means that they're not as insurance dependent. So if you're looking for insurance independence and you're looking to have conversations with people about uh, a, a comprehensive treatment plan where you could literally bring that to fruition, uh, that's, that's the target market, right? People who value health. So they refer their other friends and patients. And then because we advocate for patients and we have co-referral um, collaborative relationships with other physicians in the area. Half of our, our um, patients are referred to us by the medical community. We have that transferable trust, which means that we have a very high level of patients coming in to the practice that are excited about what we're doing. And in so doing, we are able to literally connect the dots for them and help move mountains and watch people just flourish in their lives. So, you know, you think about what it was like in the cosmetic era to give someone a new smile and how good we felt about watching them blossom. If you can imagine helping people with things like heart disease and metabolic insufficiency and sleep-related problems and anxiety and depression and addiction, I mean, these are huge areas everything from food sensitivities and nutrient deficiencies and airway disorders. I mean, these are huge and we see it all. Yeah. And yep. so the idea of being able to help people put it together, you create an unbelievable amount of trust, which means treatment plan acceptance goes up. They're raving about you in the community. You now become the person that their friends all want to see. It's, it's a beautiful thing. That's so cool. Go back to this. You said, you know, when you create your community within a community of other healthcare professionals. I want people to understand like the specifics of it. Half of your patient base probably comes from that. So are you talking myofunctional therapists? Are you talking cardiologists? Like give, give me some scope of what that specifically looks like. I want to say yes and yes and yes. So what, what, what happens is that I started years ago asking patients if they feel well cared for by their healthcare professionals. And if they didn't, I was playing matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, find me a find. I'm trying to find just the right doctors for them. And if they were if they were really happy, I would want them to describe why they were happy. Then would write a personalized note and I would say, you're just the kind of practitioner we want more of. Are you, would you be willing to see my patients? Well, at some point I decided to do a gathering of the physicians I was hearing names about, people who loved, you know, who were loved by their patients. And I brought them all together for dinner, and that was about 10 years ago. We established, or I established, a wellness and prevention study club. Mm 
people who were interested in wellness who cared a little more. I always say what's missing in healthcare today is health and care. So people who cared and people who were focused on wellness or health and helping their patients really go that extra mile for health. So I established a group called the Wellness and Prevention Study Club. They meet at my table once a month uh, for dinner, and my table only seats 11. So it's sort of first come, first serve. It's not like you have to be there, you know. But we have one of everything. We have a wellness cardiologist and integrative medicine doc and pediatrician and allergist and pulmonologist and sleep doctor and, you know, myofunctional therapist. So we have a whole bunch of people in this group that literally supports patients in our community. And what we've done is teach each other how we teach each other uh, their language. In other words, we have to learn their perspective and their language on the same issues. We're seeing diseases from multiple perspectives. And it's also cool, Kirk, because if you came into my office as a patient and you had a problem or your child had a problem that I didn't quite have the answers to, I can put you on a text thread with my best docs. And if they don't know, I'm going to find out who does know in the community and I'm going to get a special referral for you. And I'm going to advocate for you. As well, when we collaborate, we're just better clinicians. And we're learning and we're healthier ourselves as a result. But you know how you, uh, in in the practice of dentistry, how we have these referral slips for ortho, for endo and all that, right? We have referral slips for all of these people. So we give patients, like if you've got, you're going through some hormone issues that are driving you crazy and, or perimenopausal or all kinds of, or, you know, you've just been, you've just had prostate cancer diagnosis or whatever, we're referring to the right people for you. So we built a network of people who have the same values right. that I do. That's yeah. awesome. I didn't even think of allergists. That's so cool. You know. Well, allergy is the number one reason for stuffy nose, which causes commens- compensatory mouth breathing, low tongue posture, collapse of the mid-face, and eventual obstructive sleep apnea, right? Yeah. Then you have to figure out why are the allergies there? Well, they're there from the microbiome gut dysfunction problems that we see. So there's a whole lot going on. Allergies are off the charts today. Yeah, I need to see one for sure. So it's just wild. Um, and then as you started to put that community together, tell me how you brought your own dental team involved. So you hear this all the time, Susan. I can't find great people. And then oh. how do I get them to rally around this movement, this cause? I'm sure that was a big part of what you've created. I'm super glad that we talked about ADPA to begin with, which now we call APDP, Academy for Private Dental Practice. But early on in my career, I learned that hiring had to be values-based hiring. If you think about any dual relationship, whether it's a breakup with a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a divorce, or you know, parting of ways with a family member, anything, it's generally because we have this values rift. It's not because of anything else. Yeah. We just value different things. And so the idea that we would hire people based on values, which means you have to know your values. So in our practice, we have a very distinct set of core values. You can see them on our website. There's six of them. And when we interview people, we're asking questions, open-ended questions that get at what their values are. Not do you like our values, but like, what are your values? You know, like we don't ask them that. We start to ask questions. For instance, if... We like uh, continual learning. 
we want to say questions like, you know, tell me what you've done for your own learning this year out of your own volition, you know, and if they can't answer that, well, pretty good chance they're probably not a continual learner. So things like that. Yeah. And so we tend to hire for values, which means that we end up with people um, who are not the same personality. They don't have the same credentials. We're all different that way, which is good because we serve a variety of people. We need to have different personalities, but our values are right on. Yeah. I have been doing this for 26 years. I built this company 26 years ago. I wish you would have told me that. 26 years ago, it would have saved so much stomach lining. And what you just said, if you guys are listening, that's the most important thing anyone will ever tell you about running a business. And we had a coach make us do it. I was always a fan of values for years and years and years, but we had a coach make us do it. We also have six. They're non-negotiable and it's your favorite thing ever that you do in business. And when you lean into core values, the crazy stuff goes away. You don't have the problems that you used to have. True? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're not getting along with someone on your team, uh, it's generally you can pick out the value that you have that is different from theirs. It's not right or wrong. It's just different. Right. So powerful. So when you have the values in place, find the right people, then you start talking about total health. Then let's take a patient's perspective. Let's say I'm referred either by another patient or another you know, doctor within that community, what do you, what am I going to experience coming to your office? What does it mean from a patient perspective? As first of all, it's an individualized approach to care. So in dentistry, we tend to do things by protocol. I mean, you, we, we bring our new patients in and hygiene, we sit them down, we take a health history, we uh, take, maybe take a blood pressure. We do an oral cancer screening. We look around with a perio probe and you let, you know, and we don't do it that way. We start with a two-hour initial exam. This is for adults. This is the adult intake, a two-hour initial exam. We start out with an interview. Interview really comes from the word entrevue, which means to see one another in a library where there's not a dental environment. And we talk together. And I we have a conversation, a facilitated conversation where we say, tell us about um, you and tell us And then we start to kind of get into like health. What's most interesting to you about your own personal health or health challenges? You know, and then we sort of stay in the question as Mary Osborne teaches. You know, we sort of follow their lead and we go where they go. And when we've exhausted things like sleep and gut function and you've done all kinds of that, or if they start with dentistry, I'll start with dentistry. But then I'll say, tell me a little bit about your mouth and what it's like for you to be, to have been a dental patient all these years. What's, you know, what's going on there. And so we kind of go through all that when we, we probably spend, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes, maybe an hour before we ever get them in the clinical setting. And now you've really made an investment in their life and you're really putting together some pieces, discovering what they know about themselves. Then I'm going to, I'm going to put that up against what I learn about them in the clinical setting. And then we'll have a, then we'll have a dialogue about what we can do to better get them there. We're really wanting to help people become their best selves. But I have to share with you a funny story. When I first was, went into dentistry, my dad was a an entrepreneur, a business owner, and he wanted to know, like, how do you make money in dentistry? Because I bought a practice right out of school, 25 years old, I was trying to figure it out. 
And he's, and I said, well, you, you charge by the surface. So if it's like on a filling is on like the top of the tooth, it's one price. If it leaks over to the side, it's called a two surface. I'm explaining this to someone who knows nothing about teeth, right? And he goes, oh my goodness, Suze, you are getting paid by the surface. You got to shut up and work. He's like, you need to be paid by the syllable. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to stop talking and really drill. But I think that's kind of where dentistry has gone. But I have to tell you that now it's I'm getting paid by the syllable. And it's really the more syllables that come out of the patient's mouth, the more they feel understood and trusting, the higher that treatment plan acceptance goes, the more we're able to do the dentistry the way we would like to do it, giving the patient the lead is really a competitive advantage for treatment plan acceptance and for referrals. There's nowhere in healthcare, nowhere in healthcare that I know that people have as much time with a doctor as they have with me. Yeah. And I'm able to help kind of put all those pieces together. While all my friends are retiring, I feel like I'm just having the best time getting the hang of it, really helping people steer their life toward their best self yet. Yeah. So well said. You're speaking my jam. I love it. I love it. I love it. And um, you're also part of a lot of incredible educational communities, you know? Yes. Um, help us understand. We put a pin in the, you know, in the calendar today. You know, it's September 2023. Dentistry has become more and more important. There's a lot of dialogue on airway, you know, oh, yeah. uh, systemic link, you know, tell us. How important is dentistry going to be to the overall health of this country or any country in the next three, four years? And what does it mean to me as a dentist? I, I even go out further than three, four years. Look what's happened with nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. We need help. There aren't enough physicians to, to treat. You know, 75% of what we're suffering from is preventable, but we're not doing any prevention in medicine. We're spending $1 out of $100 in prevention across the board, including dentistry. So we don't have it to look at as a good model in, in medicine. Dentistry has the last pillar of prevention left, and it's that hygiene visit. People are coming to you presumably healthy, and they're asking you to take care of a preventive visit, and we're doing all kinds of things in that visit that has no efficacy in the literature like polishing teeth and, you know, I, I, you have to, we have to really break the mold and say we're, we need to be individualized in our care. We need to uh, help predict and preempt dental disease. Teeth should never dissolve. That's a pH problem. Why is that? Is it because there's acid coming up? Is it because we're consuming acidic foods? Is it because the sugar is feeding the, the the strep mutans and it's producing acid, like that's one disease. Periodontal disease is so multifaceted and so connected to everything else. I mean, look at the research on Alzheimer's. Most of these Alzheimer's patients have treponema denticola and, um, and P. gingivalis in their brains. Like these leaky gums are creating problems and everyone knows about it now. So we need to look at this as a systemic problem with a host immune response that is horrific. And what do we need to do to help get that patient healthy? What about sleep? What about nutrient deficiencies? What about chemical sensitivities? What about addiction and, and 
alcoholism? What about depression where they stop caring for the teeth? Like what are the pieces that we're missing where we can't seem to control this disease? The American Academy of Periodontics tells us we don't have to. It's just episodic. It's just going to be, you know, the perigo-round. And I, we at the American Academy for Oral and Systemic Health don't believe that. Right. I think we can create a microbial shift that predicts a future of health for that patient. But it does require looking at more than calculus. Yeah. Let me throw one more curveball at you. People are going to be yes. li- living longer. What do you say oh, about yeah. that? How does that impact how we think and how we serve patients? Well, right now, the health trajectory looks like people are going to be living a little less long, but we're already living long. The right. question is not lifespan, it's health span. Mm. The problem right now is that the last 30 years of our life are crappy years. You know, I personally, Kirk, want to live like this and have one bad day. I'm approaching <laughs> 64. So maybe I have another uh, 40 years. I don't know, 104. That's I'm awesome. Thinking, yeah. Maybe 94, 104, something like that. I want to live a long, healthy life and then die an unexpected death, maybe skiing or something. I don't know what I would be doing. But the point of the matter is, wouldn't it be cool if our health span could match our lifespan? Mm. It gives us a really new perspective on how we look at life because I know I do not want multiple medications and all of the problems that come with that. None of us do, really. Right. Right. I love that. This is great stuff. What do most people get wrong? Like you teach this concept all over. When you start teaching it, you watch people go down this path and everybody's got to create their own path. What do they most get wrong about the total health dental practice? You mean in terms of practice or what do we get wrong about our bodies? Just vision wise overall, you know, like what am I trying to create here? I think that there is fear and we live in a society that values money so much that people are always trying to give the worst case scenario. What if I try this and I fail? What if I don't make money at it? What if it's, and I think if you do the right thing, the profits come. I can tell you that I do a shit ton of dentistry and I love it. And my practice is very successful. People are like, how do you make money doing that? It's like, I, I, I think that we have to move our focus off of profitability and efficiency and look at individuality and how we can truly care for patients and let the rest all come into place. But I think we're a fear-based society. It's not just dentists. I think we um, can't, we, we have a real hard time with change. Um, yeah. You know, again, so yeah. that's, that's the hard part. Yeah. And if you're young den- dentist, listen, this is why I love this stuff. I mean, the ultimate measure of somebody that practices outside of PPOs, which is a big conversation right now, is people have to come to you because you're unique and different and they trust you. And so that becomes the question. How are you unique? How do people trust you? What do you do? Um, and yep, there's, there's niches and there's riches in niches, we say. For sure. And a niche right now, a niche is described in the marketing literature as whatever the the community is clamoring for that is unmet in your competitors. And right now it's health for people who value health, which is a shared value. So when you look at the kids that drive, I mean, I'm in Holt, Michigan, little tiny town, right? 25,000 people, you know, right. The the biggest deal is Holt hometown days. It's like, this is, this is a, this is, if you can do it there, you can do it anywhere. But I will tell you that, 
we have a few things that are real standouts. Really good infant oral health exam. It's really important. All across all of the academies for kids, they've asked dentistry to take on this infant oral health exam. We're not doing it. I don't know why. We say we don't see them until three and a half, and the pediatrician tells them they need a dentist, and they end up in the pediatric dental office, and we lose income for 16 years while they're there. Right. Because we can't figure out how to do that well. And that is a critically cool, awesome thing, an hour with the parents educating them on all kinds of cool things from, you know, what to eat and drink and trauma and, you know, is there fluoride in their water and breathing and growing a better tongue box and what to watch for with sleep disorders and so the other thing we do that's really cool is we do hands-on science with every child at every visit. We started that 20 years ago. Um, with children, we don't polish teeth and throw a toothbrush in a bag. We stain the plaque on their teeth. Then they have a one-on-one -on -one mentored relationship with a hygienist to clean their own teeth. They choose whatever they'd like to clean their teeth. And in a mentored approach to self-care, we monitor behavior over time. Wow. So we're, we help them de-plaque and then watch their behavior change so that they can have skills, beliefs, and habits to support a lifetime of health by the time they're 18. And in that time, we also do hands-on science experiments, 60 of them regarding health. Much of that is dentistry as well. So out of our practice, we've literally grown 46 dentists now. Wow. Okay. You got to go back to that. I love what you said. And ultimately, when you're a dentist, you are helping facilitate oral health. But how much of the work that you do is facilitating behavior, you know, for people? A ton. A ton. We want kids to be able to, like, be in the driver's seat for choosing their own health. So we want them to go home and clean out their cupboards and scan the QR codes or scan the, the labels and find out, get letter grades and figure out what, what to, how to move away from ultra-processed foods and what to drink. They do acid-based chemistry. It's a behavior thing all the way. And so is choosing dentistry as a career. By the time they've graduated high school, they've literally uh, placed a sealant on a tooth under a microscope, done, um, you know, put a drill onto a tooth, taken an alginate themselves, screwed an implant into a model. How can you not love that? Yeah. So cool, right? That's pretty cool. This is so cool. What's the next chapter for you? You know, like you're always up to something cool. What are you doing next? Well, you know, I just wrote this book, Brave Parent, Raising Healthy, Happy Kids Against All Odds in Today's World. And it's an A to Z health book. And it is an evidence-based book from all, on all kinds of things. But I, I kind of had to cut off the age so to like high school. So I really would love to write Brave Parenting, The Emancipating Child from like 16 to 30 and includes sexual health and financial health. And so that's kind of a stretch goal for me to write about. It's a tough age to be a parent, knowing when to hover and when to back off and, you know, what looks, you know, we, we've lost a lot of kids to drug addiction and, um, and alcohol-related accidents. And a lot of kids are bankrupt by the time they're 30. And I just would love to do that. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, I'm meeting chair for the... Academy for Private Dental Practice. It's going to be an awesome meeting in March of 2016. I'm doing a lot of speaking. I'll be, I'll see you in everywhere from greater New York to Hinman and Chicago midwinter. And so that's fun to do those big meetings. And I love small study clubs too. And I'm just having a ball. 
Yeah, you are up to some great stuff. You guys got to go see her whenever Susan is presenting because it's awesome. I want you to talk about your book and your Total Health uh, Academy. But before you do, any last thoughts you have on the Total Health Dental Practice? Oh, I say jump in because you know how in the cosmetic era, the early adapters were successful and the late comers were not. Right. This to be to be a real competitive advantage in a niche where people are clamoring for health, um, you kind of need to get in now. So, you know, Total Health Academy works for that. You can train yourself and your team at home. You can become a member of American Academy of Oral and Systemic Health, AAPMD, the Airway Group, you know, be part of this collaboration cures movement. It's super fun and you just run into the best people. So yeah. I love it. What where do I find your book? Blabbermouth and Brave Parent. Blabbermouth is all the connections between the mouth and the body, and it's written only on adults. Brave Parent is written on raising healthy, happy kids. Both of those are excellent for health professionals. And they're both on Amazon. So awesome. or you can catch it through me if you want a signed copy. So yeah, happy to share my contact. She will do it. And so I know if you guys know the jam here, if you're not taking notes, don't worry, we're taking notes for you. So if you're listening on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, it doesn't matter. Flip up to the notes. You're going to see a link to everything that Susan has mentioned and you can just click on the link. It's going to take you right there. Check it out. I And take a look at Total Health Academy because if you're interested in any of this, I've already created an avenue for you and your team to do this right in your own practices. So Yeah. Susan, thank you so much for being on. You're always doing some wild, cool stuff. Thank you. You're the best. No, you're the best. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to The Best Practices Show. Hey! If you enjoyed today, just do us a favor, hit the share button, share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions for things you guys want to see. Check out Susan's stuff. I promise you, you're going to love it. She's a great thinker and a great teacher. And so until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching, or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.